0: Welcome to the EFCA West Podcast. I'm Tim Jacobs, District Superintendent of EFCA West, and your host, For today's podcast, and I cannot tell you how excited I am to be talking about church planting. We are going to dive into the deep, exhilarating, and yes, sometimes dangerous waters of church planting. And there is no one better in the Evangelical Free Church of America to talk about that with than our own National Director of Church Multiplication, Mr. Andrew Hoffman. I want to tell you all about him, but first, I just want to welcome him to the podcast. Andrew, how are you doing?
1: Oh Tim, thank you so much for that welcome, man. I'm really excited to be here, too. I'm so grateful for you, Tim, and just doing this podcast and excited to see all that you're doing in the district since you've started. It's been really a joy for me to witness and and walk with you. So grateful for you, brother. Excited to chat about church planting today.
0: Well, absolutely. And I'm of the very strong opinion that we are at the cusp of some really, I think, historic moments in the Evangelical Free Church. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, in my observation of what's happening at the national level that's filtering into the districts and part of the district church planting, church multiplication teams, that we are launching the most aggressive church planting effort maybe in 70 years. And I think everyone needs to know about it. And I'll, and I'll defend that. We'll, we'll I'll tell you why I think that that's true. But it is... people have to know about what's going on. And um, so, but Andrew, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, And, and, you know, you are our national director of church multiplication, but you're also a church planter yourself. Tell us a little bit about where you are, what you do, and and how things are going in, in your ministry.
1: Sure. Yeah, thanks. So I'm a native Californian and I grew up in San Diego and um, then ended up uh, in the Bay Area church planting 15 years ago. We started a church right on the edge of Berkeley, California, uh, which is an environment, as you probably can imagine, that's uh, somewhat interesting in terms of church planting, very diverse, uh, very densely populated uh, intellectual crowd. Um, And so we have been you know, by God's grace, uh, leading and, and again, by his grace, growing a church that reflects uh, many of those dynamics. And you know, I just, I love it here. I love the challenge of it. I, I love uh, pastoring. I love being with people. I love teaching into this particular context um, as hard as it is at times. And, and so I'm um, just really grateful for that. A number of years back, the district superintendent at the time asked if I would help church planting in our district and so uh, I was able to be a part of 11 church plants uh, in our area um, in helping in different ways coaching and facilitating and uh, so that was a great experience that also put me onto the national church multiplication team for the EFCA and so I spent a number of years uh, on that first with George Klipnis, and then with Jeff Sorvik, and um, then after Jeff Sorvik's tragic uh, passing Um, I was asked uh, to just lead the team to continue what Jeff had started and build building on what George had done. And so that's what I've been doing now for the last couple of years.
0: And so you took this responsibility, and a- after you had planted a church probably in one of the most difficult areas, I mean, you're, you're from there, and you've talked about how much, you, you you know, you told me one time, and it was so cool, you said, Tim, even if I wasn't a church planner, I would just love living in the, in the Bay Area, Berkeley area, that's just kind of who I am, and I, I love that because you love your city, but it's still a very hard place to to bear witness to the gospel of Christ, is it not?
1: Absolutely. And that's why I use the phrase, by God's grace, because there have been so many times when... You know, uh, we felt like uh, just the challenges were too great, that the opposition was too great, that the cultural vibe and the coldness towards the gospel was, was too much uh, to be able to penetrate. And in each of those moments, God has graciously helped us to retool, and, 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 and we just keep going. And, and even with the pandemic, you know, um, that, of course, everybody's experiencing that. We're experiencing it in our own unique way as well. And just um, really grateful for the lessons that I've learned, I think, in the struggle um, there is a tension there I resonate on some level with this culture in many ways but of course as a Christian there's going to be a lot of things that I don't resonate with and that that are that are hard and yet I do sense this sort of unshakable call to be here and to be proclaiming the gospel in this place and and that really comes out of I think initially you know it was some youthful zeal sort of like the challenge of let me try to go to a really difficult place and then there was a, a holy, Faith too. You know, I know God's big enough to break through in a place like this. And what's happened, I would say, over the 15 years is is God has, you know, removed me somewhat from the youthful zeal and the sense of, yeah, I can do this, give me the greatest challenge, and more and more into a sense of dependency. And that's a painful process, but as we all know, that's a beautiful process. And so I'm really enjoying this season of um, just really waiting on the Lord to do what He's going to do. And He keeps doing things, He keeps carrying us forward. Um, for His glory, and so grateful to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, and I think, it, gosh, we could spend a whole hour just talking about that alone. And and I, but it's interesting how it does relate to church planting and and our our efforts here, because with EFCA in general, because on the one hand, you know, I want to say, hey, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. But on the other hand, when we talk about the gospel and we talk about what it means to transform a community at least in berkeley those the idols are more uh obvious and or they're more apparent they're more the opposition is maybe more in your face whereas other parts of america that seem to in in nominally align themselves with christian values those idols are still there and sometimes they're even harder to break because they're they're not as obvious and and so it it's an interesting thing and it but it does go into the fact of and I think a major theme of all of this is that if this is going to happen if we're going to be able to pull this off as the evangelical free church of america we are going to need an army of of young and older inexperienced and experienced but godly passionate, brave, visionary leaders to do what you did in cities all across America. And and that's one of the things I think I'm really excited about seeing us do in a way that we've never done before.
1: I I think that's really true. Um, Several things that you said there are absolutely just spot on. Um, One thing that stands out to me is that, in fact, well, at least up until the pandemic, you know, people are moving into the cities at a rapid rate. And so if we are going to continue to reach our land with the gospel, we've got to figure out as a free church how to enter into the cities, the secular, dense, multi-ethnic, complicated, um, you know, diverse socioeconomic cities and, and really bring the gospel. So I do feel like, I've been given a little bit of a chance to to kind of go and see that land uh, a little ahead of time, and I do see that the lessons I'm learning, and most of them have been just from my own failures, um, are. But they're they're things that I can hopefully help others not do, uh, and and so I see God using it. In fact, we have a we have a, a guy uh, a resident with us right now who's preparing to plant in Oakland. And that's really a part of our relationship—is—is is me just sharing, you know, these are the challenges that we faced over these fifteen years, and—and and this is what uh, we've learned, and um, we're having a collaborative discussion on on how do we do this well in this kind of a setting. And the other part of that is that, uh, in within you know the United States, generally speaking, the culture itself is moving and reflecting more and more the kind of culture that we've been in here in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have to figure out how to bring the gospel not only to the urban places but just to a more secular US which is what we're which we're seeing happening all around us.
0: And that is really I think one of the main reasons why I mean obviously there 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 is the biblical understanding of, you know, Jesus says, I will build my church, and there are just a thousand reasons why we should plant churches, and we could talk about that, but I think one of the most pragmatic and practical reasons is kind of like, you know, when you have kids, like when I, when, when my wife and I, we had our, our first child, and now we see them grow up, we see them, there there's literally a new life cycle, and some of the things that, as we are getting older, we're looking at the culture going, holy cow, like, how do we handle this? How do we deal with this? Our kids are just, they just grew up in it. So they're like, what's the big deal? You know, I mean, here, give me your phone. I'll, I'll, I'll help you figure out, you know, you don't know what you're doing. And, and I think it's, it's the principle is the same. It's built into creation. It's as new things emerge, they're able to, to uh, adapt and, and, and shift more and maintain the integrity of the, of the message of the gospel, but just be able to speak the language of the culture in, in new and fresh ways. And I think that's something that Leslie Newbegin talked about. Uh, which I thought was so beautiful when I read this was the fact that what happens is when a church sends out another church, that, that daughter church then is able to feed back and inform the mother church. And so, so really there's no, dominant, there's no dominant church that prevails forever. The church is always in a place where it's being blessed by even its own, in a sense, offspring.
1: Yeah, church planting is, is a way for the church to refresh itself, rethink retool, have sort of a clean palette to be able to think again why we do what we do. And of course, the gospel never changes and the call of Jesus never changes. But the culture around us is constantly shifting. And so how do we adapt to that and bring that never changing gospel to an ever changing culture? That's one of the key things that church planting brings. But in addition to that, I mean, if we're talking about why Church planting is so important and why it's such a value in the EFCA. Yeah, I mean, you already mentioned it. We have to go back to the simple call uh, upon our lives as Christians. I mean, it starts with Jesus saying, I'll build my church. Gates of hell won't prevail against it. So we've, we've got that. He's going to build his church. But then he commissions us go, therefore, and make disciples, right? And so we as, as Christians are making disciples. And what we've talked about within the church multiplication team is that sustainable healthy church multiplication is, is really just the logical extension of people making disciples. So if, if we're sharing the gospel and people are coming to faith, and then those people are being discipled, and we are multiplying disciples, and then as they learn and grow, they're learning how to serve, we're multiplying servants. The logical extension of that core work of the gospel is the multiplication of churches. And then that's what you see in the book of Acts, that you know, as there was peace upon the church, and then it was built up, Acts 931, and then it multiplied. And so we talk a lot about sustainable multiplication, which is built on people coming to faith, people growing as disciples, servants being multiplied, people learning how to serve the church well and to figure out where it is that they're serving. And then that leads to church planning. So so yes, it is a refreshment. For the church, but even even more than that, it goes right to the very core of the call of Jesus upon every single one of us as a disciple of Christ.
0: And that, and that's really where the evangelical free church comes in, because you know, uh, as it's been said, uh, these churches didn't plant themselves; they they have not been there, you know, ad infinitum. They they were like they 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 showed up or they they were planted they didn't just show up they were planted by by people so even when we look at our history our evangelical free church movement what was a church planting movement it had to be somebody had to start these churches and so then Andrew uh, and we've talked about this a little bit but evangelical or the church planting is so important to EFCA our mission statement is multiplying transformational churches among all people and I think you know, some of the conversations that, that the, we've been having is like, well, either either we need to be about that, or we need to change our mission statement. I mean, let's just be honest, right? So that's one of the things that we're trying to to do, and that's that's why that's why this is. It's not. This isn't just an option, like you said. It's it's a mandate. We've got to do
1: this. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, you go back to the history of the Free Church, and um, the initial missionaries were were church planters. Uh, they were sent out to start new churches. And then the other thing about, you know, the historical roots of our movement is this statement, where stands it written? You know, we're always a people of, of the word and we go back to the scripture and you just simply can't go back to the scripture time and time again and not come to the conclusion that we should be planting churches. Because that's that's the work of the gospel. That's the work of the church is to multiply itself to grow And so, um, what I love about the free church, I do, I love that, you know, our motto, one of our mottos is where stands it written. And even in our congregation, I know that if I can put my finger on the text and say, Hey, this is where God says, this is what we need to be doing. Then people are more likely than ever to join in. Um, I love that the free church and the history church planting in the free church goes directly back to the authority of scripture to the call of Jesus on our lives and to our desire to live in obedience to Christ's command. And I just love that. That motivates me that I can get up every morning and, and go about that. Cause I know at the end of the day, this is, this is what Jesus has called us to do.
0: Yes. And so let's talk about what we are doing now. And uh, so there is uh, a church multiplication team that you lead. Tell us about the church multiplication team and tell us why is this unique and special and something that we really haven't seen before, at least in recent decades in the Evangelical Free Church.
1: So the, the history of the team uh, itself goes back to the time of George Clipness. And um, when, when George was leading um, in the 90s and the early 2000s, um, George put together a team made up of all of the directors of church planting from every district that had one. Not every district had a church planting director, but there was a movement at that time to hire church planting directors within the districts. And so George put together that team and, uh, you know, the, the work that they did was really phenomenal. They were on the cutting edge of a lot of sort of the, the thinking that we now take for granted, as pertains to church planting. Um, You know, things like assessments and and boot camps and and what have you. Those have all morphed and improved over the time, but George and that team were really um, at the center of that. Um, And then that sort of ran its course uh, over time. And uh, I think there were a number of factors, but the team became perhaps a little bit less effective than it had initially been. Uh, In in some ways, it was more of an affinity group that would gather together Mm -hmm. But uh, and this is characteristic of the free church uh, oftentimes because of our structure. Many of the, the different districts operated sort of in a sil- with a siloed mentality. They, they, they weren't necessarily doing the same things. And so if you were interested in planting a church and you contacted one district, you might get information that was very different from when, when you contacted a different district. And so you know, if you thought of the free church as one and here you're interested in planning with the free church, you're wondering why is all this disparity and difference? And and again, I would actually go back and say that's one of the beautiful things about the free church as well. It can be a challenging thing, but it's a beautiful thing um, that you know we really put the onus on each local region to figure out how to do the work in their region. So, so it's not really a judgment. It's just sort of a a, a, a reality and the pendulum swinging a little bit. When when Jeff Sorvik came in to the mix, he saw the need for us to unite more, to create more of a, a unified network. Um, you know, the world continues to, to change as we become more connected. And then the, the the social media dynamic, which makes us even more connected. So the need for us to be moving sort of in step together was all the more important. And so Jeff really put his energy into that. And he had a tremendous vision. Jeff was uh, an amazing visionary um and I think, you know, that was a process because he was changing the culture. And whenever you change the culture, it can be somewhat challenging to do. And he, he really worked at that. Um, I think uh, it was difficult at times. And then other times there were breakthroughs. And one of the moments of breakthrough happened, um, sadly, uh, the day before he passed away. So we had been thinking through uh, the vision for the church multiplication team. And kind of working through different values and, uh, you know, that work can be a little bit arduous at times and and kind of stressful and, you know, can can bring up some heavy conversations. Um, And I think we had felt for a couple of days that that weight. And then on this particular Friday, as Jeff was leading us, he decided to lay out for us in sort of a beautiful diagram. Um, what he had learned really over the previous 20 whatever years he'd been in the area of church planting. He was a church planter. Had, had his church had planted churches, and then he was leading. Uh, he had started this, this network. And so um, he shared with us sort of the big vision of the things that he had learned. And it was amazing what happened in that moment. The room sort of came together, united around what he was sharing with a sort of a collective sigh of, yes, this is what we want to do together. Um, it, was, it was a beautiful moment. I, I think we walked away, lots of hugs and encouragement. It was the end of a long week of meetings uh, on that Friday afternoon. And um, we were encouraged. And Jeff was encouraged. He saw our president, Kevin Complin on the airplane on the way home and was effusive in his hopefulness about the possibility of us moving in unity together to really up our game in church multiplication. And uh, and then, sadly, many uh, who are listening will know this story. This might be new to some. Uh, Jeff, that next Saturday morning, passed away in a house fire. He was doing some work around the house, and and we don't really know all the details. But Jeff passed away, and it was just a shock uh, to the entire leadership and and districts and and all the church planters, of course. Um, extremely painful. Um, but there was a sense, you know, and God does this, right? Out of tragedy, you know, it's not to say that that this tragedy happened for this purpose. But even though this thing that we don't understand why it happened, it was so mysterious, he was making so much progress. He was a leader for so many, a friend to so many, somebody we looked up to. Um, out of that incredible loss, God did forge a kind of unity among the team that we hadn't really seen before. And it was beautiful to see. In fact, uh, some of the older guys, the elder statesmen on our team, were in tears in those first meetings afterwards saying, you know, we haven't had this kind of unity before uh, for years. You know, since the beginning of when George was working with the team. And um, it's just a beautiful thing. And so we've carried that forward. We have tried to steward some of the vision that Jeff left us well And then we've had to then re-look at that sometimes and and sort of take it to the next level to refresh it, refine it. Uh, And so we're not afraid to do that. Um, And and then we've been focusing on community as well. So the team, and and, and the team still consists of the church planting directors from all the districts around the country who have a director. Some of them are part-time, some of them are full-time, some of them are volunteer. We've got about uh, all told uh, 20 or so on this team. And it's just really beautiful to see the effort and the progress that's been made. And I watched for many years as we, as we were frustrated for uh, some lack of progress. And and I really just have to give the glory to God in coming out of this tragedy, in 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 bringing us together and inla- enabling us and allowing us to move forward. And and just a few more things on that. You know, a lot of that has been also part of our leadership, both on the district superintendents who have been very supportive of this process and continue to be engaged we try to uh, to keep them in the know of everything that's happening Um, and the new district superintendents we're having a lot of turnover right now are really coming on board some of them been on our team so that's that like you Tim um, and so that's been great Um, and then the national leadership as well first with Kevin Complin Uh, and then now with our, well, and then Brian Cole, our previous vice president, super supportive. And now with Eddie Cole, our new vice president has been extremely supportive of the team as well. So, so God's just bringing all those pieces together and, and what's happening is we are building the systems and the vision. We're building it out, 10 year plan, et cetera, at a rate that we just hadn't anticipated.
0: Uh, You just laid that out beautifully because there was so, there's so much that has happened. Uh, in the in the recent past, the last four years or so, and then certainly we can't have a conversation about what God is doing in the church multiplication uh, area of evangelical evangelical free church without talking about George Clipness. He was, you know, we do stand on the shoulders of giants in in this regard, and I think you've very accurately articulated that and i remember george uh and and spent time with him he was one of the reasons that i got into this whole area as well i brought my church plant into the evangelical free church in 2005 and george calls me up and hey you know and and all of that and the reason it's important for everybody to hear this though is because these are landmarks. These are, you know, Exhibit A, Exhibit B. There, th- this is not just another affinity group. This isn't just another effort that's being launched. There are real things that where were people's. I mean, people have lost their lives. I mean, I mean, you know, Jeff Jeff passed away, and that had an effect. You know, George recently, uh, you know, he left, and then he passed away, and 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 so I think what happened out of that partially too, is that it kind of d- it d- does make everybody go. Wow, I mean, it's it's kind of on us to, to carry this forward and figure it out, and and you, you've you taken it up and, and run with it and put this team together that I think has functioned, and I think this is what I want people to know. With, within the free church polity and, and the whole idea of, of interdependence and autonomy and we're geographically spread out all over the country, it, it's striking such an effective tone of, districts and church planting leaders maintaining independence and yet working together interdependently in ways that have that just have never been seen before and i think what i'm seeing as i've been watching this is a strength that is it is it really is that that synergistic thing where 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 these where districts are bringing their strengths together and we are able to leverage each other's strengths and and so we are building and developing systems that are becoming stronger than they could have ever been just purely at a district level alone so perhaps you could you could talk about that because you know, as we go forward, there's some bold plans that you've got, Andrew, and the, the the leadership structure is right. With you know, we have a very very supportive president in Kevin Complin with Eddie. So, what are some of the goals? What are some of the dreams? And then what what is the team looking like that, to make that happen?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you said that really well. And and what makes me think of is this idea that we talk about a lot, which is relationship first, then ministry and. So what we've tried to do, and and of course, when you you share a great loss like we did, you know, it does pull you together in relationship. But we've tried to also maintain that. Um, I just have a conviction, um, and a lot of us have a conviction, that, you know, if we are in healthy relationship together, then God often will use that to birth ministry. And so... So that's not an insignificant thing. It might seem like a soft thing, but it's it's not insignificant. Relationship is absolutely critical. I mean, you you've been, you know, you've been on that team um, before being the DS, still on the team, and you know, just the friendship that we have, I have cherished so so much, Tim, and just watching you and learning from you, and then having you speak into it, and then of course you're just gifted as a, as a Barnabas, an encourager. And um, it's really that relationship first, I think, mentality that's that that's an important ingredient in all of this. Um, But we don't want to just sit around and hang out. I mean, partly we're together because we want to get stuff done, and um, that's the that's where a lot of times the the joy comes in and of the friendship. Just like we're linking arms and moving in a direction, And, and and what you say is true, we are figuring out how to have unity and diversity in our approach to church planting and that's essential because we've got to be able to adapt to the unique environment that is part of the different districts that, that we are i mean you know no two areas in this country are the same and you have to plant churches in a way that pays attention to that and yet there are principles and values and and systems even at the core that uh, are unified and and are you know biblical and so we want to figure those out and a big part of our process is that a lot of those big decisions all those big decisions we make as a team so that everybody has buy in so when we set out to do a particular type of assessment or training we know that everybody has been at the table had a chance to be at the table and had a chance to speak into it so you mentioned some some goals and and what have you and and so uh, I could say a word about that. Um, and, and you know, really this comes from Kevin Compline Initially, he had called us to get to a 10% multiplication rate within the free church. And he meant that not only for churches, but I think all across the board, that we're multiplying our disciples, we're multiplying servants, we're multiplying everything. And um, that's a huge rally cry. That's a very tall order. That If that were to happen, I mean... It, There's no way, no way we could ever do that in the flesh. That would have to be a God thing to get us to a 10% multiplication rate. Um, It's just, it's like a rare thing to have a denomination to be at that place. Um, And so we've heard that. We've heard him say that, though. I mean, he, he talked about it just when he first came into the presidency of our denomination. And uh, so we've taken that as our marching orders and we're, and we're moving towards it. We're working towards it. Um, we're making a 10-year plan. And in that 10-year plan, we're trying to get to 5% because we're about 2.5%. And we figure that you know getting to 5% would be a huge victory uh, in those 10 years. Uh, and, and, and so right now, we're working through all of the different systems that will get us there. Um, the 10-year plan, interestingly, was going to be uh, this huge collaborative process with 70 different leaders from all around the denomination coming together uh, in Los Angeles, actually, uh, days before the pandemic started. And so, first we had to make it an on—we had to cancel these plans we've been working on for months and make it an online thing. And then we even had to cancel that because, uh, as the pandemic was hitting, uh, we just had uh, too much distraction and so um, what we've been done doing excuse me is is then to retool and refigure out how we're going to continue to move forward um, with with our 10-year plan and we're hoping it's looking like we'll have some sort of draft of that 10-year plan by September that's what we're working towards.
0: Yeah, and again, what I want people to understand is the whole theme of this podcast is you have to know what's happening with church planting. It is not. It is not an. It's not a plan. You know, we've always said, "Hey, church planting is God's plan A." You know, there's no plan B. There's statements like that have been made. We are taking this seriously. And so we are running up to something here. This is leading up because you see the history. We've talked about the history. We've talked about it in our own history. Now recent history, how this is nothing short of a work of God. God has brought people together, the right people together, got them around the table from all over the country. And so now What I want you to talk about, Andrew, is we are launching a brand new network that I think is going to be able to do more than we've ever been able to do as Evangelical Free Church. So tell us about this network, and what is its purpose, and what do we hope to accomplish through it?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, we know EFCA Church Multiplication by that name, Um, but that's more of a description of what we do. And we have sensed over time that it would be helpful for us, both in terms of recruiting and in terms of unifying all who are part of the church multiplication movement within the EFCA. And ultimately, we hope it's everybody. To the pew, everybody is engaged in the process of multiplying churches. But we have felt that it would be helpful for us to, to unify that effort under a name. So we're not really... Changing the vision, but we are adding the name, which is it fits in with the the names that we've been using for the departments within the EFCA. Um, reach students, you know, uh, reach global, and so the new name for EFCA Church Multiplication is the Reach Network. Reach Network. So uh, under that umbrella, and this is particularly the case, I think, with the pandemic. It's gonna provide us a way to call everybody together who's in the effort, have a a collective sense of identity, and then driving into that 10-year plan, which we hope to have finished by the end of September, driving into that 10-year plan to move forward together uh, towards this 10% goal, Um, really seeing the 5% as the first stage. Uh, in the next uh, ten years, and so that's that's sort of the, the 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 direction that we've got there with that name.
0: Well, and it's a perfect name, just as the EFCA West podcast is the perfect name for the EFCA West podcast because it's clear and it's simple and it tells you what it is. This is perfect because it tells you what it is. We are we are not here to simply maintain, you know, the we for no more, shut the door in our in our you know we are here to reach people we started the conversation by talking about that i mean we we've got a changing culture and it's changing rapidly and and we are in the middle of this uh this pandemic in, in, in a societal kind of uh, chaos and uprisings happening all over the place. And there's just a lot of angst. The church has a massive void to fill. And the, the, the time is now, again, I believe that none of this has happened by accident, that God knew that we were going to have a lot of this upheaval going on in 2020. And so he set the stage several years ago to begin to pull people together. So Andrew, This is a network not just for church planting directors of districts because why would we tell you about that? This is a network that includes everybody, includes churches, all all evangelical free churches, includes uh, pastors and leaders, and and people who want to to engage at different levels in a sense too, right? Um, To be able to say you know in other words everyone can do something. So but tell us about about like who comprises this network? What do what do we hope to see and what like how is this how is this network Going to work together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is really the team building aspect of it, and um, we want to really see everybody in the EFCA part of the church planting movement, the church multiplication movement, because it's just part of what it means to be a disciple. I mean, if if you're sharing the gospel, then you're in a sense feeding in to the process of church multiplication, and we're all called to share the gospel. Uh, So, you know, it goes, it extends all the way to the edges of our movement. We want to see everybody, Lord willing, taking part and feeling, I mean, you know, if you're part of planting a church, let's just say you're part of an established church and you plant a church 10 miles down the road. Every time you drive by that church, you're going to say to yourself, you know what? God used me to help start that work which is having an eternal impact in the lives of lost people. Uh, that's something worth living for. And, and, and that's not just for pastors. That's not just for denominational leaders. That's for every single one of us followers of Jesus Christ. So, so there are all kinds of ways that people can get involved, of course, praying. And I hope this podcast will help people to pray specifically for the things that we're doing, praying for the strategic plan, praying for new church planters, like you talked about, praying for churches to get a multiplying mindset, praying for disciples to be made, people to come to faith, all kinds of things. We we got to undergird everything that we do with prayer because God only can do this. Is This is miraculous work. It's eternal work. and Only God can do it. So people can be involved in that way. And then, you know, um, we're, working with pastors. Um, we want to see uh, all of our churches, and, and this isn't just me or just the CMT, this is all the leadership of the free church. Are uh, churches functioning in a disciple making way? Uh, it's no secret that in the past, you know, we've had, we've had churches that have slipped into kind of more of a programmatic mindset and, and, and we know what that looks like. You're just sort of juggling the plates, trying to keep all these programs going. and and losing sight of that life-on-life model that Jesus gave us. Uh, And and so we want to move as much as we can all of our thinking towards more and more better disciple-making, because that's really the foundation of church planting. And so we're getting pastors in the mix with that and working on helping pastors transition if they have maybe stepped into a context where it's more programmatic, Or even after they've been going for a while and feel like the church programs are starting to take over, how do you move it back into more of a disciple-making posture? We're structuring to be able to help churches make that transition, to walk with pastors through those transitions, because it's absolutely crucial to the overall process of multiplying churches and then we've got different systems, and I can talk about those if you want me to at some point, but, but the different systems are also in need of people, pastors, mm-hmm. church planters, but not only those, people who would be congregation members who might have a counseling background or might have marketing skills. We want to involve all those kinds of people. God's going to assemble a team to bring their gifts to this effort So that working in unity, we can raise the awareness of the importance of church multiplication. We can let people know that, hey, if God's calling you to multiply a church, you're not going to be alone. You're going to have an entire team of people behind you, supporting you, walking with you. And once we communicate that, I think the doors will open up for people who might be afraid to plant a church right now because they're thinking of it as this crazy pioneering effort where i'm going to be all on my own uh, all alone i'm going to sink or swim you know but if it's more of a team effort where churches are uniting together then it's more doable and 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 you don't have to you know jesus sent the disciples out in pairs and we need to be working together collaboratively as we plant these churches um, and, and and then churches can come together. you know this I mentioned the resident that we have who's planting in Oakland, but he's primarily doing his residency with us, but he's also doing it with uh, some of the other churches in the area. And I've been so encouraged to see the number of churches that have come together to support this particular planter. Uh, and that's what it takes. it It takes all of us coming together. and I think when we do, join our efforts, we're going to see much greater degree of multiplication than we otherwise would.
0: And so what you're hearing, I mean, are you hearing this? Because what's what's happening is there is a structure that's coming together to support a an effort that is an all-play effort, and I think that's what's. See, I think a lot of churches go well. You know, church planning isn't our thing, and you know what? They might be. They might be right. In other words, they your church isn't really in a place where, where you could or even should replicate what you have. So, so then the question starts to become, well, okay, how do we? If we want to plant, then we got to start thinking about how to be healthy, so we whatever we plant can be healthy. But even if we're not ready to plant at this point. Can, what resources do we have now in our church? And I love the fact we are going to need people to help run assessments. And it's not just experts in the field of church planting; it's people who understand who who understand some psychology, who who maybe have an organizational business background, um, who who who've been who've been lifers maybe on elder boards or whatever to spot certain things and and have been part of healthy church teams to say what does a healthy leader look like? And we need help with that, and those people are sitting in the church seats mm-hmm. right now. They're, they're they're on the membership roles and so mm-hmm. we've got a team of, of, of district uh, church planting leaders that's come together and we want to expand that further out and so this network is something that's that's programmed and designed to facilitate that and I want to say something else too because again I made I made a bit of a what might sound hyperbolic statement you know this is the biggest effort we've done in decades but there's a reason why and Andrew Correct me if I'm wrong on this, because sometimes I hear things and I just run with them in my head. But, but when, when we look at some of the, the large uh, growth of the EFCA, like in the latter part of the 20th century, that was fantastic. But a lot of it was adoption. And when we get into the history, right? It was adopting churches into our... Uh, it wasn't always necessarily planting. So we re- what we're building now is a structure that we've never had before to sustain a church planting movement that it's not just about becoming the biggest denomination that we can, but it's about actually multiplying churches. And there's nothing wrong with welcoming new churches into our tribe. I believe that's important. And we should be presenting ourselves to other churches as a, as a, a tribe, as a family that they want to be a part of. But this is different. So am, am I right about that, though, that, that we really have the opportunity to see the kind of fruit that we haven't seen in generations?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. What you say there is is so important, um, and there have been great moments of church planting um, throughout. You know, it sort of ebbs and flows throughout the history of the denomination. Uh, and then, of course, we've always seen you know churches that are just sort of hanging out there on their own, and they want to be part of a denomination, so they come in. Um, and and we see that way when we, when we plant churches too. That sometimes there'll be somebody who's a Christian who doesn't have a church; uh, they just move to the area. Um, or for some reason, they're, they're leaving one church and, and coming to another church. And all of that happens. That's just part of the reality of church planting. That's a part of the reality of a denomination. But what you say is so important. None of us, none of us gets more excited than when a person who is far from God comes to know Jesus Christ. Like that's an actual eternal shift, Right. And and that's what's exciting, I think you're pointing out in, in this movement, because if, if we're going to accomplish this, it's going to be that kind of work that's going to have to take place. Because the pool of Christians in the United States has shrunk and is shrinking. And this whole sort of dynamic where, you know, in a given city, we'll just shift people from one church to this new cool church or whatever. That's just that's not gonna work. We're going to have to do the wonderful and hard work of seeing people come to faith to be to 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 address the difficulties that come with reaching lost people. And that is, as you say, part of the way that we're tooling is is to be able to plant churches that have that mindset of reaching the lost knowing that there's always going to be some shifting and things happening, but, but the real joy and the real call is for us to see people coming to faith. Um, there was one other thing just back on the, uh, if I could on the, on the other point about getting everybody involved in this process. Uh, we have a church near us and they're helping with this residency that we're doing. That's going to lead to a church plant in Oakland, California. And I just love what this pastor, um, his name's Jeff Bruce, and and what he has done in the process. He basically wrote up, I think it was either like a five-year plan for their church, which is like a 30-year-old church plant, but they haven't planted. And so he wanted to kind of get church planting back into the mix. So with the elders, they wrote like a five-year plan, and it's very stepwise, very incremental of just kind of dipping their toe in and beginning to help out with other church plants. And so that's what they're doing in this process. They're not biting off the whole thing and saying, we're going to plant a church, but they're coming alongside and helping. And the reason that that's important is I think sometimes it's intimidating for established pastors to think of planting a church because it seems overwhelming. And um, it seems like such a jump from where we are right now to do that but there's all kinds of intermediate steps that can be taken to get to that place because ultimately it's a culture thing, right? It, it has to be part of the DNA and, and part of the understanding of the congregation for them to really get on board. And you don't just flip a switch for that to take place. You do the, you know, the work of, of bringing it in to the culture and it's easy because it's in the Bible. So we bring it into the culture and then you know, we can see that participation that you talk about growing over time to the point of then planting a church
0: well and th- this is why this conversation is so important and I I wasn't gonna say this and but it needs to be said we are in the middle of one of the greatest challenges of our lives right now and I'll tell you why and th- th- this may be the, one of the reasons why everybody listening to this podcast if you're if you're a a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a church leader, you really need to take this seriously. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to say something because I absolutely believe it's true. I had a conversation with a, a leader yesterday who I deeply respect, who, who's been around for a long time and sees a lot of, he interacts with tons of other church leaders, and he says, Tim, we're drifting. We're drifting. Our inability to meet, our inability to come together, our inability to engage like we used to the 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 average person now there are churches meeting but there is a drift that's going on and and what the re, the the reason that is is important to understand is that we have got to start playing by some different rules Than we have been. Our assumptions need to be changing, and we have. One of the things I said when we first this pandemic first started, and we were gathering some of our pastors, I said, you know, every church right now. Guess what? You ready for this? I don't care if you're 100 years old. Guess what? You need to start thinking like a church plant, because you're in uncharted waters, and you have no idea what's going to happen from one month to the next. And if you think this is just a thing that's going to snap back, and things are going to be the way that they were, I got news for you, it's not happening. And so. So Andrew, this I'm telling, I, I don't know how you feel about this because you're still in the seat as a senior pastor, but I'm hearing from more and more guys that are in ministry going, hey, listen, we're, yeah, our finances might be okay, but we're starting to lose that engagement and we don't know what to do with it. And yeah. so that this is, we are in a very, I mean, I believe it's going to be great and God's going to use us, but this is a moment we're having right now.
1: Absolutely, and and what do you do in those moments? You you go back to your core mission, and you re you you grab a hold of it again with with an even tighter grip, and you say we're going to focus on this core mission, which is the proclamation of the gospel. Right? We're going to focus on this core mission, Um, and I really believe we're not just we're not in a holding pattern right now. We're not just waiting for this pandemic to be over so that we can get back to life as usual. In fact, I don't know that life is going to ever go back to the way that we knew it before the pandemic. And the passage that keeps coming back to me is in Acts 16 when, you know, Paul and Silas are in the jail and the earthquake happens. And if it would have been me in that moment, you know, I my immediate impulse would have been, Sweet, the doors open. How do I get out of here? Where's which where's the exit sign? Because I was just in jail and now an earthquake has broken me out. Paul doesn't ask that question. He doesn't ask where's the exit sign. He asks the question, what does Jesus want to do with this crazy circumstance I just found myself in? They end up staying in the jail, they end up sharing the gospel to people in the jail, sharing sharing the gospel with the with the prison guard comes to faith, you know the story. Um, that's kind of the moment that we're in. Uh, what is, and, and, the question, the key question, this is the lesson that Paul teaches us. The key question is what does God want to do right now? How does he want to use this completely unexpected, unanticipated, strange, uncomfortable circumstance to further the gospel?
0: Yeah. And when I've been going around as a, a newer, uh, superintendent in my role, and I've had the opportunity to preach, and I just, I've been saying, hey, listen, I come as a representative of the Evangelical Free Church, and I just want to talk about two words, evangelical and free, because no one knows what they mean. And when I talk about the free part, as I've been going through my own process of ordination and that sort of thing, and kind of reading the history of the free church, what's fascinating to me is that our spiritual forefathers and foremothers and ancestors faced a similar situation where the the protestant church for example in sweden said you know the government said you cannot hold home bible studies which is kind of interesting um that seems to be a popular thing don't gather um whenever you want um so that's so that's a a challenge right and and so the so the early free church people said listen we we will read the bible however and whenever we want and the principle there is is we're not going to do church the way that you are telling us to do church. We're going to do church in a in the way that as you went as you said Andrew, where stands it written? And I think that principle is so important today because if we're not careful, we're going to adopt the same we've adopted the same kind of rules or guidelines or paradigms that the people we ran away from had, which is church needs to be this way. And so believe me, I know that ecclesia means assembly and we have to gather and, and you know, that's part of it. And I understand that there's the the physical presence of, you know, and there's a debate about whether to do communion, to, you know, if you're not, if you're socially or if you can't meet together. I understand all of that. But, but Andrew, the churches that we need to plant now have the opportunity to use Different methods and means because they don't have anything to change. They're they're able to invent things. So I want to ask you, what are, are you? What are some of the stories or or a, maybe an example or two of some church planting that's happening now that is really kind of outside the box and is kind of maybe even testing our understanding of the traditional way that church is done? Are we are we seeing anything like that right now, or is it still kind of too early to tell?
1: Yeah, I I feel like it's it's early. For me to really answer that question, although you know you can see shoots of of concepts that are emerging that people are, are latching onto. I mean, certainly, um, you know, uh, we want to be in person together. Um, there is an interesting dynamic that happens when we're online, and that is that people from all over the world can join our gathering, quote unquote, and hear the gospel when they might not otherwise have done so. And so we're seeing some of that take place. Um, we're seeing that locally and I'm hearing about it um, and, and having conversations with people that, you know, have been awakened to spiritual things by the tragedy of what we're, we're all sort of experiencing, whether it be, you know, the conversation about George Floyd and, and, and racism or it be the pandemic um, I think the political climate's going to get really heavy for us in the next little while, and so um, lots of conversations will be coming out of that. And you know, the point isn't that we all land in the same place on on any of these things necessarily. Um, the point is, you know, that we look at the tumult and say, how is how is Jesus coming into the mix of this, and how is He going to use it to draw people to Himself? Um, and so I think that's, that's some of what's happening. You know, I've been really surprised at our church planting resident. I mean, he's got a list probably, it's probably well over a hundred people now. And he moved here during the pandemic. Mm. And even so he's been able to gather a list of like a hundred people that are just praying for, right? These aren't, these aren't hundred people that are committed to the church plant, but he, he's in the earlier stages than that, but just, get, he's been able to get to know people Um, And we just don't know what God is doing underneath the surface with the kind of anxiety and uncertainty. And so we want to be ready, ready for that. I I think some of the other things that are happening are in the vein of, of disciple making and relationships. You know Um, I think if, if the church that we're leading is completely based on that Sunday morning gathering and there's not many relational connections apart from that, that's, gonna, that's getting exposed a little bit right now. And the positive uh, thing coming out of that will be maybe a conversation about how do we break down the church a little bit into smaller groups, do a better job of life on life, so that when we're in the midst of this kind of scenario— you know, people aren't just feeling completely lost. They've got relationships to lean into. They've got people to do life with, even though we can't gather as a large group right now or however you parse that out. Um, so I think those are some of the shoots having to do with disciple making. There's still evangelism going on. And then the whole interesting dynamic of, of the online piece, which which again, never, never will it supersede human contact. Mm-hmm. It right. can't. That The Bible, you know, it just right. cannot. But how will it ongoing be a layer on top of that in, in different ways? That's going to be interesting to see and we'll probably have lots of opinions on it and that's fine. But, you know, this kind of craziness, um, foments it, it spawns innovation and that's good.
0: Well, and exactly. And I, I love the examples that you gave because you're right. It's too early to tell how all of these are going to play out. But, but we have young, adventurous, and I say young, I don't mean always just chronologically young, but a young-mindedness, young-heartedness. And again, the advantage is that when you start this way, you're not experiencing the trauma of, of changing from something that you were into this, these methodologies. You're, you're just naturally starting. And we have to have a faith that the church. I mean, Jesus says, I will build my church. He also said, all authority under heaven is, you know, I have all authority in all the universe. It's, it's given to me. And so these things, you know, Berkeley is already, already belongs to Jesus. And you knew that when you went to plant. So you look at these, these uh, societal, you know, structures that look so intimidating because of they're secular and they're so strong and everything else. Yeah, Jesus owns this already. They just don't know it yet. I've got to be the one to tell them and I leave the results up to God. But we do, we have, um, and I think, I think there's other opportunities to think differently. Bivocational, vocational co-vocational opportunities. You know, we have one church planter in Bakersfield who got his real estate license, and it was kind of like a temporary thing when he got it just to kind of, you know, help meet people in the community or whatever. And now as I'm talking to him and through this pandemic, I tell you what, he actually, that, that has served him really well because he's providing a service to the people of his community. He's building relationships. People, people are moving, you know, when they when they move and they, they get to know him, that's obviously kind of a landmark moment in their life. And he has built relationships that way, and it's going to help him sustain what might be a longer process of getting to what you might typically think is your, you know, one-of-the-mill Sunday morning church service, which I still think is great, and we need to encourage that. The gathering is so important, but, but it, so he's, we're thinking creatively about some of these things, maybe adjusting some of our expectations, and that's going to require even looking for different types of leaders, which is another thing I want to drive home to, Andrew, in that if we're going to pull this off, this 5%, and by the way, 5% is big because a lot of denominations are like negative 25%, you know? Uh, it's, like, it's like they're happy if they only lost a thousand churches in a year or something like that. So, so we have an aggressive goal, but it's going to require new leaders. And these leaders, by the way, catch this, are going to have to come from our churches, they're gonna, you know, they, they come from the harvest in a sense, but the, har- the the churches get the harvest, right? And then they're gonna have, they're not just gonna come from seminaries. Where do the seminaries get them? So we, I talked to one guy of another denomination who's a, who's a, a church planning director, and he says he says we're finding we we have to. We have to dig back into the high school and junior high ministries of our churches to begin to develop leaders at that level. And largely because the the pool of available church planners has has dried up. A lot of them are going to multi-sites or other kind of ministries. And so that even that's changed over the years. But Andrew, we got to be developing leaders younger and younger and investing deeper and deeper into who we have, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was planting, you know, it was sort of at the time of Acts 29's formation and Mark Driscoll and, you know, I'm Gen X. So there was something about our generation that gravitated towards church planting. And it was almost like we wanted the scarier, the scarier, the better, you know. Um, And of course, generations change. That's not the mentality of the current generation. Um, Much more collaborative, wants to do things in partnership, teamwork. Uh, and that's great. That's actually healthier, you know, than running off, you know, and, and trying to do something on your own. Um, so I, I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, and so so we're going to, like you say, have to really um, find these workers from the harvest. Um, we're going to have to really be working, uh, finding them in our churches. We're going to have to be um, developing them from a young age. And then we're going to have to look in a different direction than, well, I think we've been wanting to look this direction, but we're still struggling to kind of shift our gaze. And that's the all people's gaze. We, we've got to be mm-hmm. recognizing the reality that our country is becoming more and more diverse and that God wants to work in and through in the middle of all of that. And he's bringing people into our country or raising up people who maybe are second generation, first generation, whatever. Who um, are going to be able to reach the different people groups within the United States, and 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 or to plant churches that are going to be more diverse than the churches that we've seen in the past? And that's another important value. You know, millennials and the younger generations they they don't understand a context that's not diverse in many respects. I mean, they just that's what they're accustomed to. And so, if the church continues to be the the hour of separation in terms of the races, that's just not going to go well. Um, that's going to be a real barrier to our reaching those next generations who, when everywhere else they are, they're they're interacting with people from all different ethnicities. So, we really have to, you know, work hard to find, like you say, those people who are in our churches, and to really nurture them from high school. Yeah, I love that vision. In fact, we're working. Justin Weaver, who's the National Director for, for uh, Youth Student Ministries, uh, we're working on, on, on trying to figure out that exact question. How do we encourage that? Um, but then also the all people's piece and, and working with Alex Mendez, who is just doing an incredible job. Um, Cosecha is planting Hispanic churches, just amazing. Uh, you've got Alex Rivero there and others in your district who are, who are doing an incredible job with all that. And um, we need to pull all that together because it's going to take all of it for us to reach this goal.
0: We have a district superintendent um, for the Eastern District, Cedric Brown, who is the co-superintendent with Tony Balsamo. and And Cedric said something. He made a great observation. He said in the free church, you know, it seems like we've been really good at... The, you know, Jesus, is, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We've been good at the ends of the earth. And I, and I see that. I mean, it's just, there's just no better uh, denomination to to really give sacrificially to missions overseas and everything else. Every time I go to a, a church, an EFCA church to speak or to attend or whatever, that's the focus so often, or at least part of it. And, and you know, Jerusalem, I guess, but it's that Judea and Samaria that, that we struggle with, it seems like. It's that, it's that. That the other, the other who lives among us, <laughs> and 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 that's not always race. I mean that you know, and you're you're right there in the in the um, in the midst of of the center of the LGBTQ uh, movement in a sense, in a lot of ways, and it's not enough just to say, well, you know you're not living your life, right? It's, it's, it's answering all kinds of questions. How are you going to deal with this? And so it's going to require leaders who are going to need to be sensitive to the heart of God and to understand the gospel so well that they'll know how to translate it properly into a variety of contexts. And that's, that's the beauty and the challenge and the, the depth of church planting. It's, it's not just this, hey, let's go do something entrepreneurial. It is really, it lies at the core and the heart of the gospel. And again, we have the Reach Network, and the Reach Network is what we are launching. And that's what I want you to hear. EFCA is doing something big, launching the Reach Network. We have a fantastic team, and and you know, uh, again, Andrew, we, we look at guys like. Brett Gleason from Great Lakes District, who's just like amazing in the area of, of uh, the training and that kind of thing. And you've got um, Forrest, we got St- Scott Sterner from Forest Lakes District, who's helping you He's part of the part of the national um, leadership team there. And, and with Julie working with assessments. So and for me, I just selfishly in EFCA West, we're like, hey, we're so glad we don't need to reinvent the wheel on all this. this. The assessments that are happening now, are better than any of the assessments that we've ever done. They're more extensive. They're, they're, they're much more in depth and they're going to be much more effective. The training has gone from, you know, and again, nothing, we, we, we love the the week long boot camp, and and there's still a place for, for that kind of training, but it's now it's, it's a cohort that goes on over months. Right. And so uh, it's, it's relationship based, as you said, and that there's a coaching piece to all that. And it's, it, there's on ramps and on ramps and on ramps that are being developed and, Wow. I mean, it's just phenomenal. So that's what the Reach Network is. Andrew, how can, if someone is listening to this and say, okay, well, okay, fine. That's great. Good information. How can they be, how can they get involved? What can they do? What's the first step? Who's the first phone call or email?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, on the Free Church website, we've got the links to the people that you need to contact. Uh, man, contact me, uh, Andrew.hoffman at EFCA.org, and, and I will figure out how to get you connected to the right person, uh, whether that's a pastor wanting to um, get into the work of church multiplication, whether that's somebody in the pew who wants to get involved helping with church multiplication, even praying for church multiplication, whether that's a a pastor who wants to plant a church or a young person who wants to consider a call to church planting. We can field all of that. We want to help with all of that. Point you made, you know, as we face the challenges that are before us ministering in a largely increasingly secular environment, you know, part of what was difficult for me 15 years ago is that I felt very alone in planting a church. In fact, we had to go to a different district to get a coach for me because we hadn't planted any churches in this district for a long time. We didn't have any infrastructure there. And, you know, that took a toll on me personally. Uh, I almost burned out in the, in the first two years. It took a toll on my family. We're still kind of in large ways working through that toll. So I sense that God's call in my life is to help those who are going to come after to be able to plant in a way where they've got the support. They've got a team of people and a larger network, reach network, that's going to help them sort through these incredibly complicated issues. You raised a number of them, you know how do you do ministry in this new environment? Uh, We can't be intimidated by that. It is scary in some ways. It is overwhelming in some ways, but God is bigger. And when we collaborate together and we help each other, we get to draw better from the strength of the Lord to be able to meet these incredible challenges. So I would just ask people, first of all, to pray. Everything we do has got to be undergirded with prayer. Um, And then to get involved. This is for all of us. This is not some little team off in a corner trying to do church multiplication. This is everybody who considers themselves part of the EFCA. We're doing this together. We've got to link arms and do this here. So just even listen. Thank you for listening to this podcast and just sort of developing an understanding because once you do that, then you know how to kind of be on board and, and working together Um, and then, you know, we need the people that will help with the systems like assessors and we need church planters to become trainers of future church planters. Um, we, we, we're going to have needs for care for church planters. We've got a system around care, caring for the family of the church planter, and that is going to require all kinds of people. Um, and then, you know, I think one of the things that is just really simple and important is just to continue to live faithfully. If we're living faithfully to the call of Jesus Christ and making disciples, sharing the gospel this week, sharing the gospel with the people that you have interaction with, whether it be over social media, because you can't get out of your house or whether you can get out of your house and you can share with people, just having that mindset, you know, that simple obedience to the command of Christ to make disciples is really at the very center of church multiplication, and we, we just want to see more disciples, uh, and church multiplication is is part of that. So, um, you know, that's the kind of faithfulness we, as a denomination, as we continue to grow and living into that, that's going to result in the planting of more churches.
0: Well, you heard it. I mean, that's it, and you are going to be seeing this, and and you know, uh, I I worked on a. I interned for this guy. He used to say all the time, you know, there's three types of people in the world. Those who make it happen, those who watch it happen, and those who wonder what happened. And uh, I want you to be somebody who's who's part of making it happen here. And obviously, obviously, we know that God is the one who works through us to make it happen. And he, he is absolutely going to have to show up. But be a part of making it happen. And you hear the passion in Andrew's voice. And you've seen what God's been doing, putting these pieces together. I will tell you, that honestly, I've I've been, I've worked with Andrew now for for three and a half years or so, um, and I can tell you, I I am I'm so impressed with his ability to lead. It's like herding cats because church plan directors are like, you know, I don't know, they don't even know how to tie their shoes half the time, and it's like, you know, hey, wow, you returned an email. I shouldn't say that, but I mean, they're just they're they're very busy and they got all kind of dreams and everything else. And Andrew's been able to corral them all of us and before i was a ds to get us thinking about a a direction and a path that is clear and is and is achievable absolutely achievable and so i have so much faith in andrew's leadership to make this all these things happen and god's going to continue to work through him so reach out to him and just say "Hey, how can i help how can i help because everybody has something they can bring to this fight Everybody has something. And so the Reach Network is for you and you'll be seeing it. And we're gonna be taking this thing on the road. So once you know, when, once life starts to open up again and we can start going to these conferences and everything, we'll have a big old giant Reach Network banner. And we, we, we have the systems in place to receive the, the harvest that God wants to give us uh, and we give back to him. So again, that's, uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're, we're fired up. And uh, Andrew, any, any final words you have?
1: No that it. I mean I'm I'm with excited to be a part of that journey. And I, I love I love that idea that you know church planting is not just something out there for, for for one person to go out and do and then they get the joy and the celebration of it. It's for every single one of us, all followers of Christ. We can be a part of this. We can contribute. And that is that's just a great source of joy, you know, to, to have the God of the universe invite us to help do his eternal work on earth. There's nothing better than that. And that's what the invitation is. So super excited. I'm so excited about you, Tim. And just, I love to spend time with you. So this has been so fun just to dream with you, to talk with you, to be to be together. Always look forward to that and encouraged by what you're doing at EFCA West. Love the EFCA West and all just important district, huge district, so many amazing churches, um, wonderful people, uh, what a joy. Just want to want pray for the EFCA West to just continue to roll forward, even in the midst of this pandemic. Um, God can do it.
0: Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much, Andrew. God bless.
1: God bless.